The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Strategies to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. Did you ever wonder where the guys who own tons of commercial and industrial real estate get the money to buy it? Well, to answer that question, we have Bruce Woolett from Bakerson in Phoenix, Arizona. Bruce, how are you? Good. Good morning. How are you doing? Hey, awesome. Thanks for joining us this morning. So, you know, listen, you kind of operate in a magic business, you know, where money appears and there's more money than, uh, than, than, than we can all imagine. Uh, and, and for full disclosure, you and I are in the same business. So, you know, this is, uh, it's not like a secret to me, but uh, I want to expose to some people where the money comes from, how things work, uh, what you guys buy. And, uh, you know, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about your company and just give us a minute of background and then we'll go from there. Sure. Well, at Bankerson, we're in the togetherment business. And when I say togetherment, we know that apartments, we know what apartments are, but to me, the word apartment is divisive and it's, it separates where togetherment is, uh, it creates a, a community. So in other words, we create communities out of apartments and unity out of chaos. And so that's, that's a fun way we do it here at Bakerson. But what we do is we buy, currently buy buildings in uh, Phoenix and Tucson. And our primary focus is the workforce neighborhoods, people that uh, will never own a home. They're a permanent renter, but they'd like to live in one. And those people are paying customers that we have that, uh, you know, we don't do a lot of subsidized renting probably 90 plus percent are self-paying residents in our properties. You know, I know a lot of guys uh, in the uh, real estate business. Most of my professional colleagues are real estate guys and it is rare. Maybe, maybe you're the first one that that I have ever heard speak with such uh, respect and dignity for your tenants. Is that a strategic thing? Is that just how you are? I mean, where where does that come from? I mean, it's, it's quite uh, extraordinary. No, it's a, uh, it's a heartfelt these individuals, the residents that live at our, at our properties, they're humans, and they want one thing, and they want to live in dignity. It's a very simple thing. And people forget that the residents are the customer. We have investors, we have subcontractors, we have property managers, but ultimately, who pays us? Yeah. Income comes from the residents, and we forget that. When you go to a retail store, they know who the customer is, right? When you yeah. go to a restaurant, they know who the customer is. But for some reason, apartment owners and real estate owners forget that the customers are not anybody other than the residents, because that's where the income comes from. Without the residents, they have nothing. They have no income. They have no business. Why, why do you think there's such great tension between landlords and tenants? I mean, may, maybe it's just the terminology. I mean, I mean, what do you think? Because there is tremendous uh, tension between yeah, those two talking, parties. 
And you, you call them tenants, and that's interesting because tenants to me are commercial. Uh, I, I work in an office building. I'm a tenant. Uh, the, the people that live at our properties are residents. They're not the residents. It's more. It's a warm, more warm feeling. But I believe that most business owners are detached because they can't relate and they don't want to relate, and they, they keep a standoffish. At, uh, as far as I go, I walk the properties, I talk to the residents, I meet them personally, and my hope is that they don't have a list of problems when I go talk to them. One of the brokers that we work with in Tucson told us that, that we're, we're walking a property with a seller, and the seller was talking to all the residents. He says, man, I hate when he does that. And so, of course, we asked why. He said, well, because when they walk, they get a list of all the problems that are at the property. And I said, well, why are there a list of problems at the property? If you do it right, you don't have those problems. So when I walk the properties, the property managers are on alert, the, the maintenance guys are on alert, and the residents like to see us. And they, in fact, I may have mentioned this story before to you, this situation has been a number of them. The one that stands out for me is Montclair Apartments in Tucson. My son and I were looking at a new paint job, and there's an individual in a wheelchair. A man was sitting at a wheelchair at the bus stop, and he rolls back from the bus stop to us and asks, are you the owner? And I said, well, yes, I am, but how did you know? You know, we're just in blue jeans and polo shirt. And he says, well, you act like an owner. I said, what can I help you with? Oh, I just wanted to thank you. You guys bought this building. You got rid of the bad guys. You cleaned it up. It looked, looks fantastic. Thank you. And then the, the bus was rolling, coming up, so he rolled up to the bus stop. And I haven't seen him since. But that's why I'm in business. It's that feeling when people really appreciate where they live and every community that every community we have, the tenants need to know that it's safe, functional, durable, and clean. That's it. It's really simple. You know, I didn't, uh, I didn't really think uh, when we started this, this was going to turn into a customer service discussion. But you know, you're you're just a really customer focused, customer facing person. Uh, you know, and uh, listen, we know each other a long time, but uh, you've really evolved into. Well, I mean, in the early days, you didn't really have residents. I mean, you just you just had you dealt with empty real estate, didn't you? For the most part. Well, yeah, when we started my business in uh, 2002, we were wholesalers and we were, we grew on one of the largest wholesalers in Phoenix. And it was a very, it's a lot colder business. It wasn't until about, what, four years ago when we got into multifamily and in seriousness where we got into the purchase and we started buying and fixing and selling and now we're in the holding, uh, moving into the holding, that I realized that, hey, these people are the ones that pay your bills. Where previously, we worked with vacant homes, auction homes, and then investors that were buying them. So it was a little bit more of a cold transaction. Yeah. Uh, it was fun. It's a lot of fun, but it wasn't like it is now. I just found that I have found a passion in this real estate. And it's just, it just only grows with it each day that I walk around. Well, and, and listen, people, people do great at what they love. And obviously you're loving this and that's uh, that's a big thing. So, so listen, so let, let's switch gears. I mean, I totally get the concern, the customer service part that is really missing in almost all real estate. It's missing in commercial real estate. It's absolutely absent in almost all uh, residential real estate. And it's uh, really heartwarming to see you are concerned about it. It's, it's very unusual. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of guys could take a lesson from that. There are people that probably should send their staff to your place and pay you to train them or something. I'm sure that that would be valuable. So people look at guys like you and, and me, people that own real estate all over the country. And they say, how is it that you guys uh, you know, could own all of this real estate? Where does all the money come from? You want to just give us a sense about where the money comes from to buy all the real estate that you guys buy. I mean, you guys have apartment buildings all over uh, Phoenix and Tucson, probably expanding into some other communities here sometime soon, I imagine. How do you do it? The, the primary business, there's, there's, it's, that's also evolving, to be frank, but the, the primary concept, if you will, is uh, syndications. We raise capital through private equity and soft money loans, which is not as expensive as hard money, 
but it's not conventional. So we have a capital stack of, of a loan. And then on top of that, we raise equity through our, our network. And our current focus is accredited investors. And we're moving more towards minimum investment of 100000 per investor. It's easier to get larger chunks of money from less people than smaller chunks from many people in our, in our experience. Because we're dealing with people's passive income, people's income that they can put aside and then in, a, in one to three years, they get it back with uh, great returns. And so that's primarily the syndication process is what we use syndication program. So really, so you're so you're not only serving tenants, you're also serving business people, corporate executives. You know, they're they're not regular people; they're they're wealthier people that have that kind of money to put into something. But but you're giving them a financial alternative that's much better than, uh, let's say, a bank or something else, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a it, it is a a pretty high return because it's considered alternative. It's considered in some circles as high risk, um, although we don't see it that way. But of course, we're biased. We're in the business. So it's easy for us to see yeah. uh, where the risk is limited. And our goal is to limit the risk and to show the investor how we limit risk. And in fact, one of the investors, a quick story, one of the investors was at our property a couple of Fridays ago, and he called me up and said, Bruce, when I invested in this thing, I wasn't so sure. I trusted you guys. I wasn't sure about the property. But wow, what a transformation. What else you got coming down the line? Yeah, really yeah. Good. Really good call to have. So, yeah, the investigators are, I'm sorry, uh, investors that are sophisticated to a point, and they're probably not active in real estate. They're active in you know, doctor, lawyers, some yeah. are developers, but primarily they're, they're people that have got their uh, income or their wealth through their careers or where have you, what have you. Yeah. Well, listen, I've watched this, uh, this transformation take place for you guys. I've, I've watched you guys, uh, you know, go from wholesaling, which is just like uh, brokering little houses, uh, you know, kind of turning them over real fast into apartments and, and other things. And uh, I've also seen your team grow. Talk about that a little bit. Uh, you know, how do you manage the growth of your company? Because it's really grown from, uh, uh, you know, really two of you guys to, to, to a pretty good operation now, right? Yeah, we have, we have, a, it's very well segmented and it was a, there was a time where we went through the transition of, of finding out who we are and where we're going. And it was an interesting uh, transition, but we have, uh, I, I've hired recently last summer an asset manager and asset manager has the easiest job description, but probably the most difficult job. And every decision he makes has to either increase revenue or decrease expenses. And Greg came on board, like I say, last summer and after two months here, I basically hand, or not basically, I handed all the employees over to him and he's in, uh, the head of operations as well. And it allows me to, to work on the business instead of in the business. And in the last six to nine months, we've seen incredible growth in individuals' responsibilities. Uh, we have one individual, my son, Ben, who is responsible for acquisition. And then we have Nate, who is the uh, property and project manager manages all the projects from the day we buy it until it's completely stabilized. And then we have a new bookkeeper, researcher, fund manager. Well, so, let, so let me understand. So if, if, if the asset manager's uh, benchmark is drive down expenses or drive up revenue, how do you manage the customer service goals of taking care of the tenants? I mean, because sometimes uh, dealing with those uh, residents has to be at odds with the original objective of driving down expenses or increasing revenue. See, that's what you would think. And I'm glad you said that because the biggest, largest cost to a apartment owner is a vacant unit. And if you take care of the tenants, you spend a little bit more on the front end to create a better environment, a better property, a more durable unit, and you treat the residents right, they don't leave. And if you limit turnover, you actually increase income. And that is amazing 
if you put it into a, the, the model, you're, you'd be amazed at how much vacancy hurts revenue. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, so, so, so you really at odds from that standpoint. So you take a long view. I mean, you know, because if you're taking a month to month to month view or a week to week view, which is uh, kind of how it works here in the United States, uh, you know, then then expenses and dollars out is everything. But uh, you're talking about, you know, in a certain way, you're talking about something that accounting doesn't measure. Accounting doesn't measure money that doesn't make it to the books. So, you know, how, how do you how do you keep an eye on that? How do you pay attention to your vacancy factor or or, or do you, I mean, is it measurable for real or how do you just kind of a sense or what? No, we have a we have a cost that we use internally and every vacant unit unit costs us in cost twenty dollars per unit per day to be vacant. So it's six hundred dollars. I mean, you just take the rent divided by yeah. the divided by. The, and so twenty dollars per unit per day vacant. And you can you can put that into a box and figure out exactly what that costs you. And we're going to run our business, our model at ninety ninety two percent full. Is, is what we market. So everything above that is cream, right? Anything below that, we need to watch. 90% is what the banks or anybody that's looking to buy a property would like to see at 90% or greater occupancy. When I say occupancy, yeah. I mean collected rent, not a warm body. Warm bodies yeah. don't do much. They're not paying, right. obviously. So so that's where we limit that. And it, I think it is very measurable. And one of my advisors that I work with for our, our projects is one of our investors. He's come on as a, a quasi advisor and he calls it long-term greedy don't be don't be american where you're short-term greedy but look long-term how can you make more money in the future take less now make more later and the returns are just phenomenal by pushing those the occupancy to 95 or 98 percent it's just amazing that's um that's an awesome concept i mean that's just a concept that just doesn't exist uh, in our country we really uh take a short view and i think for a lot of companies it's driven by the stock market the stock market requires you to report every quarter you know and then they're uh, doing estimates every month, and so they're they're looking at things in a very short way. Private companies have the luxury of uh, maybe taking their time and doing things a little better. Uh, but I really applaud you for taking the long view. I mean, it's awesome, and I love the term "long term greedy." That's uh, that's something that probably ought to be out there, uh, and we ought to be promoting a concept like that. Yeah, well, it's a short term greed, or it's greed. You know that that kills companies and kills people. They want look yeah. at everything short term. And I've been in that. I've been in that place, not in the greedy sense, but in the sense of turning properties as fast as you can. And going in this long view was a very difficult uh, psychological journey for me a few years ago, but it's coming yeah. out. Now, it, now I own it and it, it's mine and it's, it's really, really makes it much more visionary, I guess you could say. And it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great journey to be on. So what's, what's looking, looking forward. What are you guys looking at? Are you still looking at, are you buying more apartments? You're going to stay in apartments. You want to stay in uh, you, you want to go into commercial. What do you, what are you guys thinking? As no, I, I will stay, I will stay in apartments and we are looking at our primary focus is 50, units and up uh, just for scaling and for, for cost. Uh, we make, we do the best for the investors, for ourselves and also serving the, the, uh, the residents at 50 units to 150 units. Current largest projects or property is 107. Uh, but we really like the 50 plus we've done some that are 30 to 50 and those work pretty well, but they're just a little bit harder to scale. And yeah. then the smaller prop projects, the properties just don't work. We did a 12 unit recently and the amount of effort and return on that we did well, but the cost per unit to manage that was much too high. And so we're shying away from those. Yeah. Um, but our next view, like we're in Tucson right now and we're doing really well there. We just uh, locked up another 60 unit this, this last past week um, in South Tucson. And from there, we're going to look at some other markets and we'll stay in the sun states. Uh, that's what we know. I'm a little bit uh, gun shy about going up in the cold country where I don't know much about the, uh, 
infrastructure, what you need to look for. If you buy in the summer, you find out in the winter, your pipes are going to freeze and burst, yeah. et cetera. So our expansion will be in the Southwest. It sounds like you measure a lot of stuff. I mean, do you have special accounting procedures for measuring a lot of the things? I mean, you you really talk a lot about uh, understanding your numbers. It sounds like you really understand uh, you know, the way your business uh, flows, the way your money moves. I mean, you have great understanding of the mechanics. Uh, how, how do you guys keep an eye on all those things? Uh, it's, it's through financial modeling. Every property we buy has a financial model that's created. And then we put the different uh, what ifs in there that, if, you know, if there's a shift in the price, if we drop the rents 5%, if we increase uh, expenses, you know, where does it go? I know I just earlier I said you have to increase revenue or decrease expenses, but what does it do if we need to, to make it safe? And the financial modeling, what ifs, is a, is a very, it sounds complex, but it's, it's come, come around where it's pretty, pretty simple conceptually, uh, but the model did take a few years to develop. It's, and it's, it's organic and it's- Do you update the model after you buy the property or is that something that happens only before you buy it or, or, or what happens? You have a background in finances. You know, the, the, minute, the minute you make a model, it's broken. So it's not gonna ever, it's, it's gotta be dynamic. So it's, yeah, it's updated throughout the project and then it's saved as a, once a project is complete, then it's saved and we use that as the, as the uh, template for the next one. And then we tweak it as we go because every property has unique, um, unique costs, unique issues, uh, unique challenges and unique opportunities. It's interesting. I mean, I would say it would be common to uh, create a projection going forward, you know, and, and you know, you've heard me say a hundred times that uh, be careful with projections because when I worked at Pricewaterhouse as a youngster, I got so good at doing projections that even I believed them. Remember? <laughs> so you got to be careful. Projections can, can really be, uh, you know, be falsified or not, not deliberately, but maybe so. But the accounting records, which are historical, are real. So projections go forward, accounting records go backwards. But you take the model and beside whatever accounting you're doing, you also keep the model fresh and updated. So you use the model that you use to buy the property to also kind of manage the property in a certain way. It's kind of an unusual approach, but it sounds like it's working pretty well for you guys. Yeah, yes. And currently, uh, you know, when, when Ben is looking at acquisition of a property, he puts it through the model and he saves what he projects it to be based on his information. And then that gets passed off to the project management. They put the numbers in, gets passed off. Once the project is stabilized, the asset manager, it's the same model that moves throughout the, the, throughout the project. So it's easy to save and to tweak and to manage because it's just one model and it's one spreadsheet, if you will, that, that brings it from beginning to end. So I would, I would imagine, and, and let's try and generalize some of these comments to other industries and other businesses that are listening to this. I mean, I would imagine that as you build these models that uh, you're, you get pretty good at it after a while. And I'm not talking about building the model. I'm talking about estimating the numbers that are going to run through the model. Uh, you must get pretty good at estimating what something's going to cost. What things go wrong? Where are the breakdowns in these models? Where do you find that there are disconnects that need to be corrected? The biggest challenge is, is historically been in uh, HVAC and plumbing, uh, you know, water coming into the building, going up, you know, or I guess the water coming in, we've had issues with some plumbing and that's a hidden cost. You don't know until you've been there when the pipes might fail. So we've run into challenges and those, those are the areas that we need to, uh, to put a little bit higher reserves on. And then the HVAC costs, uh, you know, we go in with an estimate, but you don't know when the, if, if there's 107 different air conditioning units and you estimate when they're going to break down and, and replace them, you don't know. So those are the two areas where we've had, uh, typically the best or worst luck, if you will, but it evens out to pretty close to, to neutral. Yeah. All the properties we've been pretty good at that. And you've met Mark I mean, he does our modeling and, and not personal modeling. <laughs> <financial>. <laughs> we'll keep him behind closed doors. No, I'm kidding. 
So he, uh, he creates the models and he, it's phenomenal. I mean, within minutes, he's, he's got the information and we say, well, this is off or that's off. You need to update this or that. And it's there where he can, he can fix it immediately. And so, but that's probably the biggest is, I mean, hard, hard costs. And then the second area that we probably miss, and it's just, and this is on a per property basis is how fast we can re, we can uh, retenant the, the building. Uh, the residents come in. We don't, it, it's really difficult to project when that property will be stabilized uh, based on the neighborhood, because you know it's it's just, that's probably the other area. Of some some we've knocked it out of the park and it's full stabilized extremely fast. The next one takes six months longer, and we're not sure why. Uh, from you know from property to property, uh, well we seem to have fine tuned that with new property managers that we've we've taken on that are. Yeah. Are good. So those are probably the three quick areas that I can think of. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. You have come a long way in a short amount of time. You guys have really done great. Your team is awesome, uh, and and I'm I'm just uh, I'm proud of the accomplishments that you guys have made. I'm I'm, I'm glad to know you, and, uh, and I'm glad to have you as a professional colleague. So uh, if people want to get a hold of you, want to just give us uh, you know some info, and uh, and then we'll we'll put this up on the website too. But I, I love the concept of long term greedy. I think if there's one giant takeaway from this discussion. It's that companies need to be long-term greedy, not short-term greedy. And that really uh, makes a lot of sense to me. It really resonates because the customer service focus that you have in probably one of the worst customer service businesses in America, uh, you guys seem to really put a lot of emphasis. And I'm, I'm just, I'm really glad to hear about it. It's really nice. Well, th- well thank you. And that's, uh, it's, it's taught me patience. And you know me as an individual, I don't <laughs> but I'm learning. It's, it's really exciting to see the patience for the long term. And I got a great team behind me that supports that and actually pushes that quite a bit for me. Yeah. And, so tell yeah, us how to get, how do we get a hold of you? Best way to, uh, you can go to our website is bakerson.com. And it's baker's son, like a son of a baker. And my email address, bruce at bakerson.com. Great. Hey, well, listen, uh, we'll be in touch soon. And uh, thank you very much for uh, being part of this discussion. Well, thanks a lot, Joel. And a shout out to you for all you've done to help us uh, build our business and to turn to go from, uh, you know, turning deals to, to really creating a, a really fun business to be in. So a lot of thanks to you as well. Well, thanks very much. All right, listen, we'll be in touch. Take care. All right. Thanks. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.